Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. Well, we're so blessed tonight to have our guests, uh, John and Helen Burns, pastor in British Columbia. They are founding pastors and teaching pastors at an incredible church there in British Columbia. In addition to those responsibilities, um, they've had a a world... wide television audience for years as they teach and preach about marriage and family. And uh, they travel extensively all around the world, just investing the wisdom of God's word into families, marriages, relationships. Uh, We've had them here before and had such a great time with them. And we've been anxious to get them back. We, We thought we had it done a few years ago and then COVID happened. And the world shut down, but we're so glad that things are back up and running now. I want you to get up on your feet, everybody. We're going to give a great big crossroads welcome to John and Helen Burns, everybody. I bless you guys. What a joy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. It's so good to be back again. I love it that you um, talk about uh, right here in Canadiana. Oh, Canada. So we feel like we're, we are your cousins, long lost cousins. But very we, Oops. she's very lost. Mine works. But we love coming down here. We love your pastors, love your church. What an amazing church. Love it that you get to meet together. Don't take that for granted, please. We had 70, 70 weeks that we couldn't gather. And um, it really has brought to the forefront how much we need to and how much this means to us. So what an opportunity. We, we love it that we, <laughs> just about tipped over there. We love it that we get to come here and we get to um, speak about marriage. And I take it, is, is everyone in here married? Is there, are, are there any singles in the room? Oh, good. Awesome. Good. The best time to learn about marriage is before marriage. <laughs> All the rest, it's way too late. No, no, it's not. We're, uh, <laughs> I'm still learning. And we've been married for 48 and a, a bit years. We're like very old. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> But we're madly in love with each other still. So uh, we believe so much in, in marriage. We actually, this weekend, one of our granddaughters is getting married. I can't believe I'm this old. But then we had a grandson get married about six weeks ago. So uh, about that, or maybe a month ago. But anyhow, we are loving life and uh, are passionate about, as Pastor said already, building healthy marriages and homes. I believe that it, there is a crisis on planet Earth. And most of us would have felt pain in this whole area in some way, if not personally, that, that you've walked through challenges in your marriage. There's somebody you know that is. So I think investing in marriages is one of the great things, greatest things that you can do. Yeah, I think one of the things I would like you to do before we start is just pat yourself on the back. You're here. <laughs> You're here. And it's, it's bigger than you think it is. Yeah. It's very important, not just for you, but for so many others. 
because as our marriages go, so goes the world around us. And really, this is so important. And one of the things that we as pastors often get is pushback from a world that says, I don't know, I don't believe in God, you know, believe in science and this and this and this and this and this. Well, explain to me love then. Because it cannot be explained biologically. It is something that is supernatural. And we have the privilege of loving one another. We can't do it on our own. If you think you can have a successful marriage on your own, you're, you're really mistaken. It's impossible. But with God, it's more than possible. It is amazing in every way. You know, when we first met, um, uh, I was 18 and she was 15. And, and uh, yeah, we told our grandchildren, told our children don't and you grandchildren, dare. That's a sin. <laughs> But I had this dream of, of wow, just, you know, getting married and one day growing old together. Well, I think we did it. <laughs> We've grown old together. But um, it, really, it's through the, the time. It's actually um, doing the journey. And some people might say, well, it's so hard. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Why? Because only when you go through tough times do you recognize what you have. What's not been tested can't, or what's not been tested can't be trusted. And we're talking um, with, with, you know, Brody and Jane and asking them, so um, you guys are in Hurricane Alley. I mean, it happens all the time here. My big question has always been, why do they stay? No, I'm not kidding. I'm, that's, that's kind of wrong but you know it happens all the time and and it's like it's so scary for the rest of the world to watch what's going on but then I recognize what you guys do is is you gather together and through the toughest of toughest times you become the closest of the closest and there's this glue that that knits you together and it's 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 a principle of life and it happens in marriage and if you've not gone through any tough times in marriage just wait it's coming. But going through the tough times together, it makes you stronger. And so anyway, I brought my wife along because she knows everything what to say. No, but I'm going to read you a great portion of scripture and uh, talking about the superpower, like the superpower that we have is the love of God. It's greater than anything. And so many times we think of superpowers in this world, but the greatest power that this world will ever know is the superpower of the love of God. And that, when we have that as the foundation that we are building from, we know that as we sang already, how beautiful was worship in the songs, you know, he won't fail. God won't fail. We can fail, but God won't fail. And so if we build God's way, we can have assurance that, that God in this fight, even though things we might be going through the darkest times and the biggest storms, but God is faithful. And so I love this portion of scripture. It's from the Passion Translation. It's beautiful. It says, and from 1 Corinthians, which was read at our wedding. Um, it was on our in- wedding invitations. It says, but it wasn't the Passion Translation. But It says, love is large and it's incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. There's big words there like, consistently. 
It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others, and love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. I think that that last part there, love never stops loving, is so beautiful. And, and how do we do that if we don't have a foundation to build on that is the love of God. And I know that for myself. And I'll share just a little bit because many of you are possibly hearing us for the very first time. And our story is one of, yes, getting married very young with big dreams, starry eyes. I thought John Burns, I saw Johnny Burns on the football team and that was it. I was smitten. I told my sister, boy, he's cute. And she told somebody who told somebody and guess who showed up at my locker and asked me if I wanted to, yes, skip out of class. And I was always the good girl, but that day I skipped class and uh, followed his example. But all of that to say that off we went, and a few years later, three and a half years later, actually, we were married. And, you know, we thought everything was going to be easy. John got accepted into dental school right after we got married, and he became a dentist. And so that was where we were going. It seemed like life was perfect. And, and uh, we had babies quite quickly. Our first daughter, Angela Sunshine, was born on um, 10 and a half uh, months after we got married. Danica followed up 14 months later, and then we took a whole two-year break, and then came <laughs> Ashley. And by the time Ashley was ready to come into this world, our marriage was in crisis. And, and it wasn't because of infidelity. It wasn't because of any abuse, but it was really out of neglect not taking care of one another and doing what love demands. It was, we were so busy building our own worlds, John becoming a dentist, me with babies, trying to build a house, trying to build a practice, trying to do everything. And we forgot to take care of each other. And we, I would say our greatest mistake was we really did not continue to pursue God in the way that we had years ago. When I first met John, I was madly in love with Jesus. Somebody told him, there's a girl in grade 10 that likes you, but if you ever ask her out, don't mention God, because she will talk your ear off. I was this passionate Christian, and we started off with a passion for Jesus and a passion to build our house, but I'm really, I couldn't believe that I would ever find myself in a place where I hadn't gone to church now for several years, that I wasn't reading my Bible all the time, that we weren't praying together, but that's where we found ourselves, backslidden, broken, and hurting. And it was in that place that John had already moved up to northern British Columbia. We're both from Vancouver, born and raised there, but John's first dental practice was in northern BC. And uh, off he went as a brand new dentist, but I said, I'm not coming. I'm staying behind in Vancouver. I, I just felt there was way too much pain in our life. Um, you just go on ahead with me. I don't know if I'm coming. There was a lot of arguing, a lot of hurt, a lot of stupid things that we said to each other, and our worlds just pulled apart, and off he went, and I stayed home with two little girls, and I know I've told this story here before because I never tire of telling it, but I had tucked two little girls in Angela and Danica into bed one night, and as I was tucking them into bed, I felt like I am the biggest failure in the world. How did I let myself get here? I felt like I had failed God. I had failed my daughter, daughters. I had failed John. I just felt like that's it. I'm finished, and I was only 22 years old, and yet I felt like it was over for us and over for me. 
But that night after tucking Angela and Danica into bed, I went into my own bedroom. John is 350 miles away, doesn't have a clue what I'm up to. But I got on my knees that night. And I said, God, I have had life with you, and I have had life without you, and I don't want to live one more day without you. And I asked God to forgive me and asked God to, to just release me. I mean, that, that, that night, the burden of just the, the weight of failure and shame came off my shoulders. And God met me in the most beautiful way. I felt love just pour into my heart in a way that I hadn't in years. And I woke up the next day and I truly felt like, wow, I felt like the sky was bluer, the birds were singing louder because that, that pain was gone. And yet nothing in the natural had changed. John was still 350 miles away. And so I began to go to work and say, God, would you show me what to do? I opened my Bible again. I began to pray for John. I began to pray that God would heal our marriage. And God did. He did the most miraculous work. I moved up. Um, Ashley was born, and we got involved in a local church. We had been out of church for several years, and that's a story on its own. But we found the most beautiful community. It was way smaller than this one, but it was life. It was home. We opened our home to a small group and began just serving in any way we could in church. And we never dreamt that one day God would ask us to put dentistry aside, that was 10 years later, to plant a church and to, you know, establish a church in our community in Vancouver. And that's what we did. And that was 36 years ago. And just in 2019, we handed the leadership of the church over to our daughter and her husband, and they're leading it into the future. But I look at that one decision now 43 years ago was the best decision I ever made. Like, God, I'm doing it with you. And so I want to start there today because we have um, some pretty significant points we want to share with you. But I really felt to share with you today, wherever you're at, God wants to meet you. And maybe you feel alone in the room with your spouse here today. I know what that feels like. Maybe you come to church faithfully. I looked like happy Helen, but my heart was hurting. And I knew that, I knew that, I couldn't keep this up forever. Or maybe you're doing great, but I want to encourage you. John and I still constantly work on our marriage. We constantly do whatever it takes that we don't ever grow dry and dusty, that we keep flourishing in our marriage so that we want to finish strong. And so at 48 years plus, we're madly in love with each other. We see the fruit of what God has done because of his faithfulness, but because we built his way. Not with our own wisdom, because that sure wasn't working. So today we're gonna share these, there's six points. And if you're married here today, or wherever you're at, um, I would encourage you to write these down or think about them. And I would love for you afterwards to go and think about where am I, do I feel like we're excelling and doing well? And where do I feel like we really need to up our game a little bit? So that's where we're gonna start. So out of the six things, your homework is talking together. What do you think you're doing really well at? Start there, please. (laughs) Secondly, what do you think you could work at? Okay. So our first point is talking about real love. Real love is fueled with dreams. So important. Um, I, I actually think people fall in love with dreams, more so than what they see now, it's what they see will be. And the dreams that we have, it, it fuels this marriage that we have. And many, many times over the years, we've had you know, people that lost that love and feeling 
whoa, whoa. And so what do you do? And one of the first things you need to do is start dreaming again, okay? Stop looking at what is compared to what it should be, you thought it was, and start looking to what can be. And when you start dreaming again, it does fuel something on the inside. We were created in the image of God. And God spoke. He saw it first and then spoke it and something happened. And we get to see it. And then our, our language should change. And, you know, talking about our story, she, that eventful night where tucked two into bed, looked at her big pregnant belly and thought, this is not where I want to be, and um, falls on her knees before God. And one of the big things that happened was the Bible. It, op- it, it just became alive to her. And she began to discover in the Bible a new Helen, a, what God saw in Helen. He wasn't upset, mad at all the rest. He loved her. And it was a new vision that was a dream that that started to give her hope. Hope is so important, isn't it? We live in a world today that's desperate for hope. And hope comes with vision. Hope actually is a vision of what can be. And and then she, she did something which was, I think for me, the turning point from my life, which is she, after a couple of weeks of, of wow, God, you love me and, and this, she, she looked and she said, what? one day she says, God, I know you love me. And I, I do believe you love John too. Then with the Bible, she said, could you show me why? Because looking at me, she didn't see what could be, but God did. And then she began to take the Bible and go through it and started to build a vision of the husband that she, God saw, so she decided, I'll see what God sees, that she saw could be. And you know what changed? Her language. (laughs) She would call me up on the phone, and I'm thinking, who is this? I was nice. (laughs) This this is a positive (laughs) person. She's saying all kinds of nice. She's treating me like like I'm I'm somebody I want to be. Not like somebody I don't want to be, which is the way I've been. And it started to feed the potential of what I can be. And for every single one of us, that's, I think it starts there. You need to start with seeing what God sees, seeing the positive. And if you're going to fuel the the love that you have, you need to see beyond where you're at right now. You know, years ago, every January of the new year, as a pastor, I'd sit down and I would, I would labor over this, really, writing out what I call the church I see for 2015, the church I see for 2016. And, and one year, I'm writing this out, and God just got on my case and said, so um, why don't you ever write out the marriage you see? And I thought, oh, I never thought of that. And so I, I actually began to do some work, and it's not easy to do. And I challenge you. If you haven't already done it, and you don't do it for the person that you're married to, so they'd read this and finally get it right. You do this for yourself. What is the marriage you see? Not what you see present tense, but you see future tense. And I'll tell you the best place to get that is from the Word of God. Absolutely. Find out what God sees 
and then start to see that and, and let your language change to follow that. And you begin to speak into your marriage. And I, I really do think that is a key for every marriage. At our stage, 48 and a half years married, we need to see what God sees and speak differently about where we're at. But we were very, when we, so going back to that season, I opened my Bible. And if you look at that Bible, it's underlined everywhere. And in the columns are written John, Helen, Angela, Danica, Ashley. You know, I would begin to see the promise and I claimed it. And I would take those scriptures and highlight them in my Bible, but then I would write them in a book and I would just pray these prayers over John and pray these prayers over my heart. And I'll tell you what it did. It anchored my convictions. It anchored my decisions. When I began to fight the good fight of faith, rather than just succumb to what was happening in our world and, and took a hold of the future and, and let God shape that, suddenly I, when I'm dreaming these dreams about a, a marriage that God is building, suddenly um, things, uh, my mouth changed, like my words changed because I wasn't speaking hopeless, I was speaking faith. And I wouldn't let myself veer away from those promises of God. They anchored my heart they anchored my affection. They anchored my dreams. And so I want to encourage you, the Bible is powerful. You know, it talks about his word will not return void. If we send it forth, um, it will not return void. And, and that's not just some little formula. It is truth. And so I encourage you, when is the last time you took these scriptures and wrote them out and let them shape your convictions, let them shape your heart, let them shape your dreams, because I'm telling you what, God sees so much more. It talks about in the Bible that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond our wildest dreams and expectations. So when it comes to your marriages, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your relationships, dream God-shaped dreams, not just what you've seen in the past. And maybe we have a bad past. I've been quoting um, this by Soren Kierkegaard. I think it's powerful. He says, life is only understood backwards, but it has to be lived forwards. And so why not? So maybe the past isn't beautiful. Our past wasn't, but we shaped it according to God's promises. And we're living in the wonder and the miracle of those promises today. Number two, real love is carried by commitment. Commitment is such a powerful word. Mm -hmm. Commitment is love under battle times, under fire, love that's challenged. And you don't know what you have till you have a challenge. You don't know how much you love until it's been fought against. And so well, we say love that can't, hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Right. And, and so, um, you know, commitment is that love that, that is bigger and will overcome whatever the challenge is. And to me, commitment can't be seen without challenges. Like a lot of times, oh, I'm so committed to you. I will love you for a lifetime. Those are words. Let's see some action. But the action's only seen in tough times. The action's only seen when you go through like the world's just gone through. I mean, a lot of people are sitting back and say, oh, it's been so bad and so terrible and all the rest, and it has been in a lot of ways. But the fruit of it is, is really gonna be powerful. Like 
churches that have, have stood the, the challenge and um, have uh, you know, made it through that are, are filled with strong people now. People that have paid the price to stay in church, to stay in community, to stay you know, in relationship. The devil's plan has always been divide and conquer. And I have never seen divide in such a way that I have the last few years. Right? It's been dividing in families. It's been dividing in churches, dividing in countries, in every which way. And the thing about divide and conquer, if you are on one side or the other, he wins. Forget the sides. We're on the side of God. We're on the side of we love each other. And, and as we make it through that, it's the strength that we have. I think commitment, it's, it, there's words that, that need to be said in marriages. Always. Forever. Mm-hmm. I think of my, my mom and dad. They're, they're in heaven today, but, um, you know, I play accordion. How many play accordion? Anybody else in the room play accordion? How many don't even know what an accordion is? Oh, well, you know what it is. That's why I love coming here. You guys love accordions. And he brings it to the elementary schools in our city, and kids look at it like, what, what is, is that? that? <laughs> it's uh, an old person's instrument, let's be but, honest. When my... <laughs> My mother passed away first, and so my dad, he's in um, an elderly home, and uh, I would bring my accordion, and he was so excited. He'd invite all his old friends, come, Johnny's bringing his accordion, and, and of course, I'd, I'd, I'd have to play all the songs that, that he loved, and you know, probably the, the number one song of my mom and dad's 57 years of marriage was um, Forever and Ever. Right there, I get choked up. My heart will be true forever and ever. What does that mean? It means forever and ever. It won't be easy. That's not what he's saying. My heart will be true. And I think those kind of songs, I miss them. Like some of the older generation, some of the songs that were, those were, and actually, you know, they were tough time songs. They were war songs. Songs that, that helped to make it through the toughest times. And I mean, Louisiana, you guys know about tough times. And I'm bringing language that talks about always and forever into your marriage. You know, like lots of times you can say things like, I love you when everything's feeling good. You know what I mean, that moment. Um, but words like, I'll always love you, I love you forever, are maybe stronger and more important. Yeah, you always cry when you just talk about your dad. It's good. Taking all my blonde hair off. There he goes. Yeah, leave it there for them to have to clean up. <laughs> That's what you do when you're married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mess up somebody else's stage. But, uh, but again, it, one of the things we... Welcome to my world. <laughs> But one of the things when the commitment is for forever, and let, I, I just want to be clear, we do talk about, we brought up now enough times there's tough times, and there are, but they're little and compared to all of the glorious, wonderful times. There are seasons that feel challenging, but, you know, after having been married as long as we have, there have been mostly, like, just beautiful, amazing, glorious days and a few battles. But if, if we don't know how to get through the battles, we won't... Um, 
we won't stay committed. You have to, and this is what I want to encourage everybody. Whether you've been married for five days or, or 50 plus years, um, you still need a battle strategy. And one of the things we had to decide when we decided we're in this, we're staying forever, and we decided I'm in, we stopped ever bringing up the word divorce. We, it just never came into our vocabulary, and it was a commitment to not ever talk about it again. There, was, there had to be a commitment of where we were going. This is the dream, and this is the pathway we're taking. It was kind of like our GPS system. We knew where we wanted to go, and so that kept us on the pathway. And commitment is really only seen in tough times, but I love that knowing now that we've gone through some, and with that, we, we, we're more committed than ever, and so the tough times don't seem that tough. Because when you weather it, it feels just amazing for what you've come through. So often I talk about our relationships in terms of our physical body, because I, I went through lots of that kind of stuff. And um, commitment is likened unto your skeleton, your bones. It's the strongest part that holds everything together. But have you ever broken a bone? It can break. And when it breaks, it's painful. And you ask the question, can it heal? The answer is yes, but, there's a but there, it will take time. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with a relationship. Um, you can have commitment broken. It's called br breaking trust. And it's painful. And often the question is, is there any hope? And the answer is yes, but it will take time. So often... You know, we're asked questions like um, someone's messed up in the, you know, in the relationship and, and can, can we ever trust again? Well, think about it like a bone broken. Answers, yes, will take time. But do you know when a bone heals? It heals stronger than it was before. And, and the same thing happens if you can, if you can go through the, the, the healing, which will take time, and trust can be rebuilt again. But you have to give it time. And the onus is always on the one that wants to be trusted. Okay, not the one that, that gives it, but the one that, that um, earns it. Because trust must be earned in lots of ways. You, you got to be willing to trust. But at the same time, you, you just can't blindly trust. It, it actually needs to be earned. And when it is earned, when it does take time, and that's often when you need to bring someone else an outside person, like a counselor, into it, where you actually have some grounds that you can build on. And when you do build, you recognize it's stronger. One of the reasons it's stronger is because it hurts so much. You know, when you own the pain that you caused, when you take ownership to the tears that you've caused, you don't want to go there again. And, and so you, you actually get to learn that. I think forgiveness is a huge part. Learning to forgive. I think a great marriage always is made up of two really good forgivers. Because you can't stay married if you can't forgive. And forgiveness, people say, well, how do you forgive? You let go. It's like you don't owe me anything because of the past. Let's move on. Um, not an easy thing to do, but with God's help, it's absolutely miraculous and possible. But understanding forgiveness and trust are different. 
that you, forgiving is an absolute must. God commands us to forgive. Trust is based on wisdom. And sometimes you, you shouldn't trust somebody who hasn't proven themselves trustworthy. But forgiveness is something that to whom much is given, which we have been forgiven now. We extend that forgiveness. But you build trust again slowly and, and with hope that it can be restored. All right. That's a big subject. We could stay there forever. The th- third point that we wrote down is real love is committed to connection. And I love this thought. I was born talking. Um, I, well, not literally, but my mother told me that I came out of the womb talking and I haven't shut up since. I definitely am a chatty person. I was married. John has become much chattier, but in the early days, it was, yeah. I, I was a stutterer when I was, when we first met, I stuttered. So I didn't talk. She said, oh, that's fine. I'll just fill in the blanks. I did not say that, but you know, but you think I did. She kind of did though. (laughs) But there's this beautiful scripture here in Psalm 19, verse 14. It says, may the words of my mouth and the med... This is a prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation thoughts and every movement of my heart always be pure and pleasing, acceptable before your eyes. Because I just think this is so beautiful. And I've often said it like this. Love is a heart that moves. And I love that it says this. Every movement of my heart always be pure and pleasing. That, that this is all about having communication and staying connected. To me, communication isn't just talking. Communication is all about connection. It's understanding one another. Having hearts connected to each other. And we all know when we've lost connection. It's a, I love the, the simple example that we can all relate to is getting on Wi-Fi. If I go to a new country or I go to a new hotel or whatever, like when I checked into the hotel last night, we check, what's the Wi-Fi code? And so you get the code, you put in the right system, you get the code, and suddenly you can get a download. And I think that's very much how it is with relationships, is that um, often we move away from each other, so the connection gets broken. But the goal is to stay connected. And once you get that connection working again, you can get that download from one another. And connection is so critically important to be able to build healthy relationships. Um, A lot of times we can fill in all the blanks, talk about the weather, talk about the Blue Jays or something. I'm talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. That's our team. Um, We don't have one in Vancouver, so we have to pick the only Canadian team we have for baseball. If we lived here, we'd probably cheer for LSU. Is that right? We'd have to, right? Otherwise, we couldn't come to church. I think that's true. But... um, Somebody might not agree with that, but anyhow, we, but I want to, we want to talk about more than the weather and about, you know, whatever we want to know. And John and I do check-ins. How are you? Where are you at? Sometimes I've asked him that question and, and it would irritate him. I'm like, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. Can't you see me? And I'm like, yeah, I know you're here, but you're not here which means I don't know what's going on. I can see something bothering you, or I can see something, your head, your, what's going on. And so we have been very, one of the, I think, real secrets of moving forward in our relationship is being absolutely adamant that we have regular check-ins. And it's not like some formula, but it is a commitment that, that we check in. And so we do weekly check-ins, we, we, but it's not just, this isn't our appointment for check-in, we're good, right? Not like that, but we just make sure on top of everything else, life gets busy, we do that on top of lots of other. We have meals together. It's easier now. But if we hadn't have had that commitment to have regular check-ins, I think we would have been lazy. We would have let the drift happen again. But that commitment for us has been 
uh, we go on regular dates together. We have the 11th commandment in the Burns household is thou shalt keep the date night holy, which means that's a non-negotiable, that we date regularly, we talk regularly, and that is how we stay connected at the heart. It's about meaningful connection. Yeah, I don't know how many times over the years, you know, she said to me, where are you? And I, I don't like that question. It's like, she says, you've got to let me in. It's like, how are you, how are you feeling? I don't know. Whoever asked themselves how they're feeling? You know, you just, you do whatever you need to do. So we're so different that way. Mm-hmm. But to, to have a relationship, to be married, the Bible says the two become one. And I don't think we're just talking about sex. I think we're talking so much about letting each other into each other's life and doing this thing together as one. Matter of fact, if, if, if you look at sex, okay, it was Genesis chapter two. At the end of the chapter, they were both naked and not ashamed. And of course, we've always taken that to mean talking about sex, which it is, but actually it means more than that. I think both naked was they're not hiding. They're not hiding anything and not ashamed. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm not ashamed to let you see what is not perfect about me. Does anybody relate with that? Because I would like everybody to see only what I want them to see. And so I, I actually wear those, whatever it is to protect. And we, we call them masks. And I guess this COVID season, you know, we just finally, this was the first week in Canada where you can get on an airplane without a mask. Um, so masks have been part of our physical world, but I think it's been part of our relationship world and we need to take them off. And we need to not be afraid to let our spouse who loves us and made a commitment to love us no matter what through good or not good to see what really is. Because only then can you, can this marriage work and you can help each other get better. But what we hide, we keep. I was just thinking as I'm sitting here, I can feel some of you saying, but I want to talk, but he doesn't or she doesn't want to. Because usually in a relationship, and this certainly was true of ours, One is more ready to talk and more readily open. Like that's been something I haven't struggled, but I came from a home where my parents, they were very communicative and they invited us into conversation. We sat at the dinner table, talked openly about our challenges or whatever. That was the, that was very normal to me. And then um, I love you and words like that flowed easily in, in our home. It doesn't make my home better. It's just, that was the That was a protocol, if you will, in my home. And yours was very different. 11 children in your family. It was like, you know, it was like not enough time to really open. Your family didn't talk as much. And your parents weren't as, um, I mean, it's a beautiful family. Trust me, they're amazing. But they just did it differently. Yeah, I never never heard I love you. I never heard them say I love you to anyone. You know, it was obviously something was happening. They have 11 kids, but it was never communicated. Yeah. yeah. But I know, so then when we got married, I would think, why don't you say you love me? Or why don't you, 
like, tell me what's going on inside. And I didn't realize how challenging that was for John. And so I would ask him things like, well, what are you thinking or how are you feeling? And those were very difficult things for him to answer. And I couldn't understand that. So we had to learn how to communicate with each other where I wouldn't put pressure on him to be like me, and he didn't put pressure on on me to be like him, but we had to come together. And so I realized, like a lot of, I've had wives ask, like, how did you get John to talk? My husband won't talk to me. And it, it, honestly, I had to figure out what you wanted to talk about first. So for me to go in and say, how's your heart? You know, he would have been like, lady, you're driving me crazy. I don't want to talk about that. That, And I don't really want to have it said exactly like that to me either. But I had to learn how to talk about other things, to open them up, to prime the pump, if you will, to, to, to make it easy. And so I think the question when it comes to connection, I think we should ask ourselves, how easy are, are we to connect to? How available are we? And I think it's a good thing to ask each other in our marriages too. Like, how am I doing in this? Is there something I can do better? Don't assume that you're like 10 out of 10, that everything I'm perfect at it, what's your issue? Don't do that. Say, how do you feel about our communication? What, is there something that I, you think I could do better? And those are brave questions to ask in relationship. I think these are important questions to ask with your children. You know, your children become teenagers. And they have their own opinions. And I learned this the hard way with my own daughters. I thought, well, I know you. I know what you're thinking. And I realized they had their own opinions. And they wanted to communicate in different ways. And so we have to keep learning how to communicate in different seasons of life. Um, I I think recently we've gone through... some pretty big losses in people around us were tragically killed. And so walking through some really deep grief, well, we hadn't done it at this level ever before. And, and so it was like, okay, we have to learn how to, and I had to ask for what I needed. I, um, I couldn't assume that John knew and he was amazing at it, but it was, it, it, it was really good to know that we're in this together. Don't assume they're okay. Ask how you can help. Maybe ask, how am I doing? Is there something I could do better? I think those are brave conversations in marriage. I think those are brave conversations in parenting and with friends. And, and, and when we make, I always say assumption, it's the lowest level of understanding. And for connection to happen, there has to be a willingness to understand one another's hearts. And sometimes the way that they're showing up isn't the way you need them to. And rather than be critical of it, we have to learn how to ask for what we need in a way that is inviting and open. So have those brave conversations. You'll be thankful Yeah, I think you that you could measure the success, future success of most relationships by how well you do at dealing with the difficult conversations. Yeah. If you're not good at dealing with the difficult conversations, your relationship can't, I, I, I just don't think it can grow. It can stay, it can get stale and be right there. And some, you might feel like that's where it's at. And what we need to do is recognize that we can have those difficult. Um, you said something, you said, you know, you were good at conversation and I wasn't. I think as long as you don't have relationship happening, that's what I heard. <laughs> I think as long as you don't have communication happening in your marriage the way it should be, you both got a problem. It's not one or the other, it's both. 
And you need to learn how, and you did say that, how to communicate with each other. But when it comes to difficult conversations, often um, we we take the issue that is happening as the priority, and it's not. We need to value the relationship over the issue. Yeah. Okay, the relationship's more important than the issue. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the issue you could have, but whatever it is, I, I kind of liken it to this. If you would think of, of difficult conversations like having a boxing match, which you shouldn't, shouldn't, but most people do. Okay, you got both of you on either corner, their bell rings, and you come out slugging, and may the best Not one win. slugging. And, but... <laughs> and no one's going to win. No. Okay, unless you both win, no one wins. Mm -mm. So what you need to do is, before the bell rings, walk around the court, put your arm around each other, and identify the issue. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. Not each other. The issue is your problem. And then you can put two brains together to figure out how to, how to deal with that issue. Yeah. It's not like this is your problem. It, no, it's our problem. Mm -hmm. It's like communication is our problem. And um, one of the ways that uh, I think is important, and our daughter puts this in our church all the time, she says alignment is valued more than agreement. Mm -hmm. Alignment over agreement. Alignments, we're going together. The reality is you're not going to agree on everything. If you expect everybody to agree, you, there's just too many things that we're not going to agree. And so often we've, and this is what I've seen. Are you for this and against this? Or, you know, what are you for? Where do you stand? And I think it's just become more and more divisive. And I've thought in the kingdom of God and in families, we need to value. We're going in the same direction. We value um, alignment. We're going to go there together. We don't have to agree on everything, but the big things matter, obviously, but we're committed to each other. And that shows up. That means having those big conversations. So number four, we'll get through this quickly. Time's running out, but real love serves each other. Um, this is really about I think it's, you know, that's the greatest love that you lay down your life for one another. And that is serving. If there's anything that we should be known as, as kingdom people, how we love one another is seen in serving. And I'm not talking just about you do all the cooking and you do all the vacuuming and you do the car washing. It's not just that. It's taking care of one another. What can I do that would serve you, that would bless you, rather than think about me? I, I mean, every one of us come out of the womb thinking what I need, but a healthy relationship is all about how can I serve you? And I think there is such joy. That's what, I mean, th that's the beauty of church. The beauty of coming together is we serve together for a common cause, a common purpose, and we all get the benefit of it. And that's the beauty of serving. If you want to be great, Jesus taught us, be the servant of all. And love will be a pathway that leads us from selfishness to service. If there's selfish people in the relationship, and we all have an element of it, I think our humanity does, but it's where we choose to put that aside and serve one another and not just think about what we need. I don't think the golden rule applies exactly the same in, in the marriage relationship, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In principle, yes, but the reality is you each want different things, so find out how they most are blessed when you serve them. Right, find out is a big part of it yeah. because the golden rule doesn't work. The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> she doesn't want what I want. And if, if I do unto her like I want her to do unto me, I'm in trouble. 
I have to figure out what she wants. And, and, and God made us very different and opposites attract. And in so many ways, we need to actually do the work to find out how to serve each other. Mm-hmm. And in, in serving each other, we're building our marriage. Mm-hmm. Number five, real love flourishes when, this is my favorite, we stay amazed. To me, those are really two important words. People have asked many times over the years, how do you stay in love for a lifetime? And my answer is simple, stay amazed. Stay amazed, okay? This person's created in the image of God, okay? How could you ever get to the the end of how amazing they are? Mm -hmm. But it will come down to what are you looking for? Are Are you looking for what's amazing about this person? Or are you looking for what's the problem with this person? And when we choose to stay amazed with each other, it starts with a position that I, I, I want to actually discover more. And as you do, you feed that person to become more and more and more amazing in every way. So to, to me, it's, it's a key. So it's also, to me, I think one of the real beautiful things that we share in marriage is a romantic relationship. And romance is, looks like pursuit. Like when we were first getting to know each other, we were pursuing one another. And why do we ever think that once we're married, the pursuit is over? I think that you get to pursue one another's hearts for the rest of your life. I know his heart belongs to me and my heart belongs to him. But, I, but we keep that very alive. And, and I want to know that our affection is towards each other and our hearts are always going to be towards each other. And, and the beautiful thing about staying amazed, it's, it's the art of discovery, the wonder of, of learning and growing. Every year we are changing and we're growing and we're learning more about who we are as individuals and that changes in our relationship with God. It changes in our seasons of life and we get to do that together and I think that when we're looking for what's so amazing about that person. And I think often, sadly, we, we, we wait until someone, you know, often somebody who that passes away suddenly. And we think all the things we wished we had told them, I'm telling you, tell them now. Tell them how amazing they are. Spend all of your energy and time, not all of your energy, but much energy and time in in staying in a relationship. And I have this in my marriage. I have it with my children. You know, I look at, we we pastored Relate Church for 36 years as leads. Um, I love church more today than I've ever loved being part of church. It hasn't diminished a bit. It, my heart is more for the, for the church. My heart is more in love with Jesus. My heart is more in love with my family, my husband, my friends. I love what God has entrusted for me to do. And I never want to take that for granted for a minute of my life. But I don't want to just know that. I want to express that. And so I think that that's really important to share that with one another and tell them what you see and then let them know how special they are. Don't save your words. You say, well, I'm not like that. I don't share like that. Well, well we can change. I think we can. Well, I'm uncomfortable buying flowers for her or I'm uncomfortable. I just think often we, I think... It's the most romantic when you do what you know is not the easiest thing to do and you show your heart in ways that are surprising. And I love that. As we get older, we do that a lot. I think romance is, it's the fun part of marriage also. It's like when you really just stop and smell the roses. Um, You know, over the years, I don't know how many times we've been someplace with something that's happening and and we just don't want to lose the moment. So we'll look at each other and go, 
click. Now, you don't know what that is because, you know, we're old. But that's a camera. <laughs> there used to be a camera that you go click. Call it but, a Kodak but, moment. Yeah, but just take a, a, a heart shot of this moment and don't forget it. And I think laughter is so, so powerful in every way. One of our friends, um, Pastor Phil Pringle, he said this years ago. He said, laughter is relational communion. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the closest place we get to be together is when we're laughing together. And it's, I think it's romantic. It is. Number six. Well, can no. we? No, okay, go ahead. I want to talk about this little thought about make memories. John just talked about the snapshot. But your life is just a sequence of memories. And I think so often we just let moments slip by that, we, that wonderful things are happening. I, I think laughter too is just something that is, it, it's, it's something that's so beautiful in a relationship. But I think that so often we've got our head down, we're just racing ahead to the next thing and we don't stop to laugh until it's vacation time or you know, we have like four hours on a Saturday afternoon. Let's not be like that. Let's be people that just capture moments, live the moments, express words when they're not expected. Um, you know, come and give them a kiss, not because this is a dutiful time that we kiss. No, it, it, it is just be surprised one another with your tenderness and with your and thought for each other. And don't be afraid to be laughed at. <laughs> I think the key to laughter is to, to don't take yourself so seriously. You know, she, if, if you were to get her phone and look at her pictures, I don't know if the percentage, but a good percentage of her pictures are me looking really, really bad. Not really. They're really? funny. No. He yeah. poses for every one of them. <laughs> he has moments, fantastic hair moments. No one's hair can quite do what John's hair can do. But no, we laugh a lot. I would think that if people think about our relationship, they would see laughter in it. They would see love freely expressed. And I'm not sitting here going, oh, we've got it all made up. No, but I just, I would rather be known for being that our love is seen and demonstrated. I think your love, yes, it's private what you have with each other, but I think the world should know it. I want my grandchildren to know we're crazy about each other. I want my, my people in our church to know and not have to guess, what do they really think of each other? I think it's visible, it's easily expressed, and that is that staying amazed part. And I, I think of it this, in every season, I feel like we just have so many memories of beautiful things that happened, and I expect that we'll have a lifetime of them still to come. So, you know, stay amazed. And um, you can do the whole last section. Yeah, number, number six. <laughs> Real love celebrates sexual intimacy. Do you know that sex is a gift? Yeah. It's a gift from God, yeah. and it's a good gift. Mm -hmm. And every single one of us were created sexual. And God has given us the best way to live this life follow his, his word, and, and you know, he teaches us that sex and marriage is amazing, and it should be, and it should continually be, and as you get older, it should continually, you know, so figure it out. <laughs> One of the points I have down here, talk about your sexual needs, but you know what? Can I get serious for a moment? I told no. you. No. <laughs> but would we all agree that this is one of the most broken areas in the world that we live in? Sex is powerful. And God created it, as John said earlier, in, by Genesis chapter 2. That Adam and 
Eve were both naked and neither of them felt any shame because where there's no sin, there's no shame. And, the be- and there has been such brokenness and, and so many people have been violated in this area or made poor choices and they feel like that is this anvil on their life, that this crushing part of their life. And I, and I believe God created one of the most beautiful gifts that we share with nobody else but the one that we're married to. So if you're here and you're single tonight, I, I, it's just beautiful to know that this can be a part of your life, that it's get a God vision for what this looks like. If you're married, don't neglect it. The Bible's actually clear about this, to take care of one another. What is a healthy relationship look like, a sexual relationship in a married couple looks like? And it's one that is mutually satisfying and, and, and wonderful for both partners. And yeah, there's seasons. Yeah, there's, um, you know, if you've just had a baby, it changes. There's, life has seasons and it has ebbs and flows. That would be true in, in really every area of life. And this is what we walk through as couples in different seasons. But it is something where the Bible is very clear. Don't, like, let's take care of one another. Let's look after one another. Let's enjoy one another. And, and this is a gift that we get to share. And, and, and as we wrote it down, real love celebrates sexual intimacy. And this is the one part of our life we share with one person only. And it's beautiful and it's intimate and God created it. And so I, I feel strongly that if this is an area that you're struggling in, don't just leave it there. And just think, well, this is as good as it gets or it's never going to get better. Or if you've had brokenness from your past, I would ask you to invite God to come into it. Go get help. Talk to somebody that can help you in a healthy way. Just find wholeness. I would encourage you. Read the Song of Solomon. Read the Word of God. God does not have issues with this. He created it, and it's there to bless you. It's not a burden. And so I feel like we have to answer this question. Can we honestly say that the gift of sexuality that God entrusted to us is a good gift that he gave you because that's how he intended it to be. And so if we're being, I know the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I believe that's where we can say, no, not in our marriage, devil. You will not destroy. And that where we, love is a heart that moves. I said that earlier. And I believe this is an area that if there has been a challenge or brokenness, turn your faces towards one another. Maybe there's been disappointment. Maybe there's been a a broken trust. But let's bring God into it. And if necessary, get the help that you need. But don't just settle for less than God's best for your life because he has a good plan. Everything that God made is good. And and, uh, on that point now... I'll let you just finish. Yeah, it, it often takes a little bit of work. Yeah. It takes a little bit of planning. It takes communication. It takes all of that. But um, every great victory is the end of a great challenge. Mm-hmm. And if you're having a challenge, get ready for a victory. It's worth it. It's really worth it. And um, it doesn't get easier. And some people think, well, if I'd have just married the right person, you did. Once you said, I do, you did. And from that moment on, you got to work it out and figure it out together. And it's going to take a lifetime. Like Helen said, everything changes. As you get older, it changes. And you have to figure it out. Seasons. Seasons. All of that. But um, we go back to the very beginning. We ask you to, okay, out of these points, can you, when you have time to talk each other, um, can you identify which one you think you're really doing good at? And uh, which one do you think you could work at? And I know a lot of 
at least a lot of guys are thinking the last one will do some work. Um, not, but even the way That's I okay. said that, even the way I said that's wrong because yeah. that changes where it's a lot of women that are saying, yeah, we got to do some work there because um, it is a challenge and, and it's, it's worth doing the work on. Can I go back to our first point just as we close it and we want to pray for you, but um, we talked about marriage, real love is fueled with dreams. And I want to encourage you to just take that challenge to go and to spend some time in writing out the marriage I see. What is it you dream of? And maybe some of these things have just highlighted areas you'd like to work on. And I would encourage you, first of all, I completely, like John said earlier, pat yourself on the back for being here. I'm so blessed to see you here. I can't think of anything that's more important than fighting for great marriages because great marriages and great families are the future of this world that we live in and how the world needs to see us thriving in these areas. And so we'd love to pray for you. Why don't you just... Yeah, can I ask you all to stand? And if you're with your spouse, can you just catch hands? And let us pray for you. Father, we thank you for this gift that we're holding right now. This person created in your image. This person that you loved so much that you gave your only son for. Jesus, you died on that cross for this person that we are holding hands with right now. And Father, we ask you for your strength. We know you are a God of love. You are love. And the superpower of, of everything is your love. And we need it. Lord, help us to see what you see in each other. Help us to be that spouse that my spouse needs right now and in the days and years to come. So, Father, we receive by faith your strength, real love working in our lives, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, it's been an honor to be with all of you. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Jeff Abels, and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, if you cannot honestly say you've been living for God, and you know that needs to change, I want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on Him. will not you call on Him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me? I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God. And I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Through faith in Jesus, I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, Come into my heart, forgive all my sin, 
and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, my sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today, and God richly bless you is our prayer for you.